Today's scripture is taken from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly from heaven there came a sound like the rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered, because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each. Amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds and power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others sneered and said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter, standing with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who live in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and listen to what I say. Indeed, these are not drunk, as you suppose, for it is only nine o'clock in the morning. No, this is what was spoken through the prophet Joel. In the last days, it will be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even upon my slaves, both men and women, in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show portents in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and smoky mist. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the coming of the Lord's great and glorious day. Then everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Suddenly from heaven there came a sound, mightily and forcibly. The breath of life was brought forth. Pentecost, when God gave birth to the church. And while Pentecost was technically last Sunday, I believe this passage has a word for us today. Because Pentecost is really every time that we remember the power and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit that has been poured out over all of creation and the same Spirit that calls us into account. And friends, I do believe that we are being called into account. Do you know who you are? Do you know what your identity is rooted in? Is your identity in Christ greater than any other identity that you claim? In seasons of confusion, in seasons of turbulence, it becomes very important to remember our identity and to remember the foundations and the truth on which we stand. In the midst of all the seeming chaos around us, the COVID pandemic, the forced closures, the murders of Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, the ensuing protests, 
the infiltration of these protests by extremists seeking violence or anarchy and destruction, the unprovoked murder of first responders, the perversion of truth and the work of evil in our day to create divisions and turn us on one another. In the midst of all of that, Pentecost grounds us in identity. It reminds us that God poured out God's spirit over all of creation, that sons and daughters, men and women, young and old alike, have each been given an equal share of the image of God stamped on their human bodies and have each been given a share of the Holy Spirit. Pentecost reminds us to remember our baptismal vows. It calls us to remember the promise and the power of our baptism, but also the very real temptations that we will face as the kingdom of God is making its way to overcome and overtake the kingdoms of this world. When John the, Bapti John the Baptist baptizes Jesus in the Jordan River, the next thing that happens as Jesus comes out of the water is that the heavens opened up and the Spirit of God descends and rests on Christ like a dove. And a voice from heaven says, This is my Son with whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Such a beautiful statement. It could go on a Hallmark card. And yet, the very next thing we hear in Scripture is that Jesus was driven into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. More specifically, the Gospel of Matthew says that the Spirit drove Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted. Pentecost reminds us that though we have received the Spirit, that we too are being driven into the wilderness to be tempted. And it seems, friends, that we are being tempted on every single front in this day and age. Have you been tempted recently? Have you been tempted to, present, to pretend that racism no longer exists? Have you been tempted to believe that there really is true equality and true justice in our land? Have you been tempted recently to turn on a brother or sister, to tear down someone you love, to tear down a stranger or a neighbor instead of building them up in love? Have you been tempted to throw in the towel? Have you been tempted by self-righteousness to believe that any one of us is better than any other person? Have you been tempted to side with worldly power instead of kingdom truths and promises? Have you been tempted to turn a blind eye or a blind ear to our hurting brothers and sisters who have been shouting from the rooftops for years and years and years upon hundreds of years that their lives and their bodies do not matter as much as lives and bodies that have been packaged in white skin? Have you been tempted to write off that plea as baseless noise? We are being called into account. Now, taken from the creation stories, one of my favorite views and beliefs about God is that our God 
is a God who orders chaos. And this is a biblically accurate viewpoint. It's also one that gives me, a person who desires order, who desires calm, to desires to know what is happening and what is happening next, this belief about God gives me great comfort. And yet, every single time over the past week where I have prayed when the destruction and the devastation and the hurt and the pain have been more than I could bear, and when I called out to God, to God, please show me the order in this chaos. Where is the order? And I thought that God was going to answer that. But instead, I was met with God silently saying, Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel, Tower of Babel. That is not what this control freak was hoping to hear. I was hoping that God would give me a clear vision of how we come out on the other side of this mess, on what it will look like, and how things are going to be cleaned up and ordered. But instead, God didn't provide me with any of that comfort. God didn't provide any vision of order. God said, Tower of Babel. Now, if you're familiar with this account, which is found in Genesis 11, It's the account of humankind all speaking one language. And in that ability to speak and connect, humankind decided essentially that they were going to make a great name for themselves. They were going to worship themselves. And they create this huge tower up to the heavens. And when God sees this monstrous, idolatrous tower, the story says that God came down. And not only did God scatter the people about the land, he confused their languages. He confused their ability to communicate so that they could no longer connect with one another. Are we in a season where we can't communicate and we can't connect? Which brings us back to Pentecost, where the church was birthed through a baptism of fire where there was power and unity and diversity and confusion all existing together. Scripture says that divided tongues like fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. And they were bewildered. They were confused because everyone was hearing what was being said in their own language. They were able to hear. God was doing the single most important act of all of history after Jesus ascends to be seated at the right hand of the Father. This was the single most important act that God does after that ascension. And this passage tells us that there wasn't clarity, but confusion. This passage tells us that in this singular most important act, the Holy Spirit did not arrive with an instruction manual or a step-by-step guide. It arrived violently, Scripture tells us, as tongues of fire. The word fire in this passage can be translated into strife or trials, and it filled the whole house where they gathered. The Spirit, the breath of life, 
arrives. Tongues of fire, violent winds, confusion, diversity, chaos even. And yet, this is the breath of life. And in that confusion, in this same passage, where there was neither order nor hierarchy, but rather a leveling of power and privilege, that in that same story, somehow this resulted in a spirit-given clarity. And the clarity that arrived in this passage came in the form of listening and listening and being able to hear what was being said. And the power of the Holy Spirit arrived as a felt promise that somehow in the midst of this confusing time, this windy time, this bewildering time, there was also a felt promise of safety that the Holy Spirit was at work and would eventually overcome all barriers to the gospel. As African-American theologian D.K. Williams says, all barriers, language, ethnicity, class, and gender. And we see this because Peter then goes on to recite the prophet Joel that talks about the Spirit being poured out on men and women, young and old alike, slave and free, Gentile and Jew. Everyone would prophesy and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord would be saved. The Spirit arrived and there was chaos and confusion. And yet, that same God was given clarity and was giving unity and was pulling together and leveling the playing field. And in this story, God seems to reverse some of the work that occurred at Babel. In Babel, God was confusing languages and communication. And here in Pentecost, in the midst of a confusing situation, people listened and they were able to hear what was being said, even though they didn't speak the same language. In our current day and age, in a time where we would much rather speak at one another, speak over one another, speak around one another, in a day and age where we want to use our words to tear down rather than to build up, Pentecost is inviting us to listen. Pentecost is a story of listening and hearing. Pentecost is inviting us to listen to what our black and indigenous brothers and sisters of color are saying, to listen for understanding, to listen with curiosity, to learn the definition of words that might not mean what we think they mean, to listen with compassion. The word compassion literally means to suffer with, to suffer alongside. Pentecost is inviting us to listen with a heart and an ear that says, I see you, I care about you, and I genuinely want to hear and understand how your lived experiences have been different from mine. Pentecost invites us to listen, knowing that if we invite and receive the Spirit into the conversation, that that Spirit will be one that will help us to hear and understand in our own languages, 
even if we are all speaking the same language in this day and age, the same technical language, there are many languages that are being spoken. The Spirit can help us to hear and to understand in our own languages. The Spirit can help remove defensiveness, and the Spirit can help to build us up in a true God-ordained unity. Now, as a white mother to three black children and two white children, I have seen close up how my children's lived experiences are different from mine. I don't consider myself to be a person who was born or raised with any economic privilege or social privilege. In fact, I wasn't. I'm from working class Philadelphia. And yet, I still walk around the world in white skin. And it took me many years to understand what that actually meant. My children's experiences are different from mine because of the bodies they walk around in. And I will never know, even as their mother, will never know what that feels like. I can't know. The only thing that I can do is to listen to them with compassion and understanding when they tell me, when they share stories about what it is like to walk around in their bodies. My role is to listen for understanding and to listen, of course, with the hope that the Spirit will guide us forward to a better future, one where there is true unity and equality. Now, I'm a mother, so of course there is a lot of talking that happens and teaching as a parent, but when it comes to their experience as children and youth, that walk around in black bodies in America, there is nothing that I can say in that conversation that would be more valuable than simply listening to what they're saying to me and how it makes them feel. I know this is uncomfortable. I know it is. I walked through the discomfort personally because, well, I had no choice as a parent who loves my children like many of you love your children. I said the wrong things. I did some wrong things. I dusted off. I educated myself as best as I could. I asked a lot of questions and I tried my best to listen. And I still have a lot of work to do and a lot of growing to do. As white people in America, we are so used to not only having our voices heard and accept it, but we're used to them being centered. And what that means is that our narratives shape culture. And this is true in every institution in our land. The United States Air Force just released, or recently released, a report of racial disparities within the ranks. As white people, we are so used to being the mouth, even if we don't consider ourselves especially talkative um, or loud people. It simply means that our stories have shaped our culture. And when we are so used to being the mouth, it can be very, very hard to become the ear. But I think Pentecost this year is inviting us to become an ear 
for this particular conversation, the conversation that we really can't add anything to. Pentecost is calling us into account. It is confusing. It is chaotic. But just like at Pentecost, God was at work leveling the playing field. And I believe God is trying to do the same thing. Pentecost reminds us that every single human being has been given an equal share of God's image and has been given a share of God's spirit. And yet, in America, in some cases, man has taken away what God has freely given, has decided even that some human beings are less than fully human. What an affront to God that was. And while we would like to believe that is long ago history, the truth is, is that it is still with us today. If that were not the case, we would not be seeing what we are seeing around us. It is still with us today. It has simply adapted and taken on different forms and has been passed from one generation to another. And it makes us all uncomfortable. But we have to name it for what it is. We have not reconciled yet from this past. We desire to, but we haven't. From the post-Civil War years, we've gone from Reconstruction to Jim Crow laws, to deed restrictions, to mob lynchings, to white riots in the face of school desegregation and neighborhood desegregation, to interracial marriage laws, which in some cases weren't even lifted until, I believe, about 15 years ago in some states to unfair banking practices, to the war on drugs, to mass incarceration. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. Many of the disparities that we see in inner cities and in neighborhoods of lower socioeconomic status, many of the disparities that we see in health, in education, in job opportunities, to crime, If you peel back a few layers, you will see a history that likely wasn't taught in your history book. You will see that those disparities began to result from the implementation of racist policies that then resulted in racist behavior. Dr. Uh, Ibram Kendi, who is an expert and a scholar in this area at Boston University, has said that in his research he has found that racist behavior actually comes out of racist policies. And so it's the policies that need to change, the systems that need to change, and the behaviors will change in line with them. Pentecost reminds us that God is calling us into account But Pentecost also reminds us that God does not leave us in our divisions. It reminds us that God's spirit truly is at work and it does have the power to wash away all of our dividing lines. We see it in Acts 2. Pentecost gives us words and imagery that will connect us to one another, that will unify us in Christ Pentecost reminds us that we belong to a God who cherishes diversity within unity. 
a belongingness rooted in relationship and connectedness and God's fiery spirit rather than enforced hierarchy or man-made law. We are being called into account. God is still God. We are still God's beloved. There is no shame in this game. It is uncomfortable. It is. But there is no shame here. Our shame has been nailed to the cross. In its place is a radical, undeserved, unmerited love and grace. The Holy Spirit is still poured out over all of creation. And believe it or not, it is a spirit that is attempting to erase all of our dividing lines. It's a spirit that is attempting to bring us together. But first, the spirit might need to show us, in spirit and in truth, all of the dividing lines that we have drawn. The spirit might need to show us them first, so that with God's grace and mercy and power, that we can begin erasing them. And I pray to God once and for all. Pentecost is inviting us to listen. Are you willing to listen? Are you willing to unlearn some things? Are you willing to learn a history that is just as real as maybe the history that you've learned but was never taught in schools? Are you willing to learn some new definitions? Are you willing to believe that while God does seek to order our chaos, that sometimes that same God gets our attention through seasons of disruption and disorientation? And it is in these seasons of disruption and disorientation that God is inviting us to turn from our idols, to remember our identity in Christ and the foundations on which we stand, to reaffirm our baptismal vows, and to return to our one true God, a God who has made each and every human being in the image of God. The good news for us, friends, is that our God is the one who can and does and will make beauty from ashes. Our God will never leave us alone, and our God is always going before us and walking alongside of us. God is good, God is love, and God seeks nothing more than for us to claim our belonging to God, and to each and every brother and sister created in God's image. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, Lord, we are in pain. We are suffering. We are confused. We desire, Lord, your wisdom and your clarity and your promises, Lord, in our mind and in our heart. God, we confess that we have not loved our brothers and sisters as you would have us love one another. We confess that we have failed to be obedient as people and as a church. We confess, Lord, that in our ignorance there are things that we uh, don't know that we don't know. But we also pray, Lord, that as we do learn and see 
with new eyes, that you help to give us the courage and the perseverance that we will need to be protected from all divisions that the enemy tries to create among us and to seek true unity, Lord, in truth and in spirit. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.